Hello and welcome to According to John. Today I got the Duke Meister with me again. I am so excited. I love when you come and visit. Glad the to be back. So today we're going to be answering some questions. I uh, I I was talking to, uh, well, actually it was a relative of mine, mm-hmm. and they asked this question. Uh, the question was, why are there two gods in the Bible? Yeah, that's uh, I've heard that before. It's uh, especially the contrast between the the God that they see on the surface in the Old Testament, and then of course the, the loving, loving Jesus in the New Testament. Yeah. So so today we're going to answer that question: uh, Why are there two gods in the Bible? Are there two gods in the Bible? And uh, and we're going to get to it. I am your host, John Westfall. My guest, Pastor Duke Herget, uh, and and I also want to point out that. Uh, you're closer and closer to starting your own podcast. Yes, I've been trained well, and uh, uh, we're putting together the the technical side of things. I look forward to doing a podcast. I have uh, accumulated some information in 42 years of pastoral ministry, and with technology, I don't have to let that go to waste. So get it up. Uh, some discipleship work, uh, some of the uh, apologetic things that have meant the world to me. It's been a great tool for our ministry. And I got a lot of people begging me to do it. And I, I th- you think they're smarter than that, but uh, I, I'd be glad to do it. And uh, this part of my journey, uh, I, I want to just maximize best I can. And through a podcast, it, it seems to be the way to do that. So I'm very excited. I appreciate you, Pastor John, to uh, pull me in and put a little uh, a fire under my right. backside. <laughs> yeah. So, so, we're, so uh, Pastor Duke here is, uh, we're teaching him the electronics. We're teaching him. Uh, the equipment. I already told him, get ready, get ready to spend some money if you want it to look this good. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, not that we look good. It's just the set. The, the set's the set, fine. Yeah, it's the, the rest of it, you know. Yeah, but, the set uh, looks great. All right, so uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Yes, sir. And then, uh, and then we will get uh, started on this. Okay. We need him, lead us. Amen, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Father. Thank you for this time together. And I just ask, Lord, that you would uh, bless this time that you would uh, uh, bring understanding as we bring or try to bring clarity to the questions that are asked. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the question was, why are there two gods in the Bible? As, as we look in the scripture, if you look at the Old Testament, you say, oh my goodness, that's a murderous, uh, hard, difficult God. And then you look in the New Testament and it's love, love, love. Everything's about love. Love your neighbor. Love this. Forgive that. You know, don't judge anybody. And, and so are there two gods in the Bible, a murderous God in the beginning and then a loving God in the end? And that is what we're going to discuss. One of the interesting things that I have found is, is that most, uh, even, even Christians, you know, there was a, a Barna survey and, and in the Barna survey, it says 20% of Americans have read their Bible all the way through and 61% of Christians have read their Bible from cover to cover. Yeah, it's sad. I don't know that I even believe those numbers. Yeah, well, I just know Jesus tells me to hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. And, uh, you know, if it's going to be an open book test, right. <laughs> I want to know what's in the uh, book. Right. Yeah. And so, you know. so as I was, as I thought about the Barna survey, uh, and I was thinking, because even, even in, uh, in my church and I've ch- every year I challenge people to, 
to read the Bible through in a year. Uh, I challenge them to read it through in, in 90 days, 180 days. Like I'll put out these and then we have a reading schedule that we put online for people to follow. And, and what I have found is, uh, since I've been well pastoring, uh, this church for the last 14 years that, um, the majority, and I'm going to say, when I say majority, I'm talking 95% of the people never read their Bible all the way through. And, and when I challenge them to do it and I read it with them and we hold each other accountable, then, then we find people start doing it. So I'm thinking to, to say that 20% of Americans, not, not Christians, Americans read their Bible cover to cover or have read it. I struggle with those numbers, knowing what I know in churches and you ask people, they, they don't read the Bible. Yeah. I would doubt that 20% of Americans have read the Bible through. I, I would really doubt that. It's hard to read. It's it hard to read, you know, uh, and then begin, I remember picking up a Bible at a friend's house. His mom was a Christian and she prayed for us. And I was just recovering from some, uh, alcoholic, uh, indulgence <laughs> the night before I woke up and I started reading the Bible, man, in Genesis one. And it was pretty cool creation and special events of creation, temptation, fall of Adam and Eve. And then, then you get into, uh, some of the genealogies like, whoa, that was, it was hard. But you know, there's one book and there's, there is only one God and, uh, he has manifested himself to us. And you go back to that question that, uh, was asked of you, why are there two gods in the Bible? Well, there's really not there. Right. There's one God, but, uh, upon a, just a, 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 you know, casual reading and certain things would jump out, you know, people could see me and say, well, he's, he's a waste, he's wasted man. He, in the days of my youth and say there's no hope for him. I'm glad you clarified it was in the days of your youth. <laughs> but there was change that was about to come. And um, people that only know me as Pastor Duke, they, they it's hard for them to fathom where I came from. And I say, well, which one of them is Duke? Well, they, they both are. And, uh, you know, like a diamond uh, is one stone, and yet there's many facets yeah. to a diamond. And I think that's where the confusion comes from. There's different facets of God, and the New Testament kind of brings that together. Uh, it says in the book of Romans, Behold both the severity and the goodness of the Lord. Uh, when my children were in defiance of me and doing things that were very dangerous to their health, they didn't see me as a real sweet, uh, loving <laughs> daddy. But then when they were in compliance and they were being sweet, man, it, you know, the lovey-dovey stuff, the same guy, but just uh, responding to different things. So right. I, I think the explanation. I think, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, and also one of the things that we see uh, that, and, and the goal here is to bring absolute clarity to the question. So in order to do that, I, I also look at in Genesis one, and, and you brought up when you started reading, you looked in Genesis. When you read in Genesis one, uh, one, one, and it's, it says, uh, uh, God, right. It says God created everything in Genesis one, one, uh, in the beginning, what was, help me out. What's that? Elohim is the, is the, I know, Hebrew but what's the, ver, what's the verse? What's the verse? One, one in the beginning, God created. created. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you prayed for clarity. I'm the guy. I, well, I think we both had a rough year in 1969. So. Uh, I think so. So, so, uh, my, my, and that's my point. Elohim. When you look in Genesis one, one, it says, and God created, and then you're going to find the word Elohim and, and, and the word Elohim is literally God plural. Yes. And what do we do with God plural? Uh, we, first off, we have to understand 
that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to go real deep into the Trinity. That's another day. Uh, but that's the only place where we see God plural, but they're really one God. How do, oh, man, I, I hope well, I just, a can of Well, just he begins to <laughs> unfold uh, who he is. Uh, yeah. Uh, Genesis one twenty six, same thing happens again. God said, "Let us one right. God, one God, um, let us make man in our image." Plural, plural, plural. Let us go down and confound the languages again at, at the Tower of Babel. So God, over and over again, refers to Himself in, in the plurality, and then in the New Testament, just point blank lays out. Uh, the, and there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are right. one. So one God, and He's responding to the fall of man and uh, the stories unfold. We have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and uh, the Old Testament shows God's wrath oftentimes coming against the children of disobedience. And uh, you find that in New Testament as well. Annas and Sapphira were carried out as in the Old Testament when they had lied uh, against the Holy Spirit and trying to get kind of to appear more spiritual, right, right, more committed yeah, than yeah. what they really were. Hey, and, hey, check out at the door. Someone's waiting for you yeah. <laughs> to carry you out. And then, you know, you could correspond that with in the Old Testament, uh, uh, um, the sons of Aaron uh, with the sacrifices, they kind of did it their way. Uh, by you, uh, I, yeah, I just, I, just had a brain uh, malfunction there. Well, well, one of the things I want, because uh, we're talking about Old and New Testament, uh, I, I want to distinguish the two real quick. Uh, well, well to, to finish your thought, you said uh, in that God, there's still a God of wrath in the New Testament. So I, I pulled up some scripture just to show it in Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So, so uh, what we see is, in, even in the New Testament, the wrath of God is still there for those who want to go against him in, uh, in Romans 2, 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart. Now, uh, uh, the, again, we see the wrath of God poured out on men who want to be unrighteous and ungodly. And in 2, 5, we see it again that the, the wrath of God is poured out according to the hardness of our heart or the impenitent heart, and it goes on. So, But in accordance with your heart and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So again, even in the New Testament, we're still seeing the wrath of God. I have one more for you. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So if, if we're going to go, are there two different gods, a murderous or a wrathful God in the Old Testament, and then a, this loving God in the New Testament, um, there's one God. The New Testament still shows the wrath of God. But I think what we need to do is explain the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, because I think if, if people get a hold of the Old Testament is all about the law, the New Testament is all about grace, but why the two, why the difference, um, uh, and, and what does it mean uh, that he has shown us the law versus now he shows us the grace? Well, I have a commentary, bad English but good theology, to kind of summarize the, the dichotomy of, of what we're talking about here. Uh, ain't nobody going to get away with nothing. 
in the end. Uh, God is all-knowing. The record is the record. There will be no false witnesses in the day of judgment. You, you mentioned about the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. It's just one book, but it's an unfolding of things. Right. When I was a child, I spake as a child the New Testament. says I thought as a child. But when, when I matured, I put away childish things. I'm the same person. But in the Old Testament, we basically have uh, God introducing himself as, as the creator. Uh, a loving God uh, has a plan. And the plan is that uh, man would be the object of his affection and it would be eternal and they would fellowship together and man would glorify God. But he made God, he made man in his own image and gave man what we would call in theology, volition, a choice. I remember in is my journey trying to figure this out and fit it together the way it fits. If God is love, why was my dad beating up my mom? If, if God is love, why are is my friends getting their brains blown out in Vietnam? If God is love, why, 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 why? And, you know, I'm looking at those early chapters yeah, of the it, Bible. If God is love, uh, why is there so much evil in the world? Yeah, right? yeah, you gotta. That's that's a biggie. And yeah. I, you know, I just couldn't take somebody else's word for it. And I remember as those lights were coming on for me. I'm looking in Genesis two and the creation story, and it says God uh, planted a tree in the middle of the garden, and that. You know, I was like, why did you do that? Because I, I was trying to starting to connect the dots. If God uh, did not plant the tree in the middle of a garden, then Adam, Adam and Eve wouldn't have taken it, and they so, wouldn't have so, sinned. So let me ask you this. The Bible does say that, that, uh, that God plants the tree in the midst, the very middle of the garden. Was that a setup for Adam and Eve? Like, like, did he set them up for failure? Did he, did he put it out there to, to tease them? And, and we actually had this, uh, you, you know, Ed Walls, right? Oh, doing well. Love Ed, yeah, right? Good friend. And, uh, and so, uh, he was, I was mad at him, by the way. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to graduate with a, uh, 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 3.5. And so, uh, uh, Brother Ed, if you're watching him, yeah, I'm talking about you. And Eddie got in your way. <laughs> he did. So every time I'd write this paper, um, and, and I mean, I poured my heart into it, and, and he'd give me a C. I'm like, dude. You can do better, John. Right, right, yeah. I'm like, or, look, I just want a 3.5, uh, uh, graduate with 3.5. And for, for a, a druggie, man, that was like, you right, know, an ex-druggie. Right, that was big know, and yeah. great. So one day uh, I asked him, I'm like, I'm like, uh, Brother Walls, why do you keep giving me a C, man? What's it take to get a B in your class? <laughs> like a, a B would have put me up there. And he said, uh, you don't quote enough people. And I went, that's what it takes. But by the time I asked the question, it was too late to get, <laughs> to get a B. So too, because of you, Brother Walls, I never got my 3.5. Too soon old, too slow smart. And I know, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, it was, uh, uh, I wanted a 3.5 and I graduated with a 3.48. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about GPA here right now. Okay. I was, I, it's a good day. So we'll just we'll leave, leave it there, alone. Okay. So, but, but to go back to the question, uh, did God set man up by putting it in the midst of the garden? And, and my answer to that was, I said, um, no, God didn't set man up because Remember, God tempts nobody. And, and so my, my answer to that question was, uh, being a parent at that time, because I, I went to college as uh, old enough to be some of their dads. <laughs> uh, but, but my answer was, uh, no, God put it in the middle of the garden because that's where it belonged. 
Yeah, it's kind of like the heart is in the middle of the body, sort of, in a sense. It's, it's where it belongs. But, but here was my reasoning for that, real quick, and I'll let you finish on, on your thought. My reasoning for that was that's where it belonged. And then I gave the analogy that uh, my oldest daughter, when she was, uh, she had just started walking. She walked early, you know, she, uh, and we had uh, a nice stereo system. Remember the old stereo systems that were mm, stacked I and do. you open the glass door and they had the speakers that were as tall as, at any rate. So she goes over to it and she opened the door and I told her no. And she stopped and looked at me. And then she started to reach for the, the button. And I told her, no. You love me too much, Daddy, to punish me. And she reached for the, she, she stopped when I said no. Turned around, look, literally turned around looked at me. And then she reached out and she hit the button. I got up, I went over, and I took two fingers, no child abuse, took two fingers and smacked her on the top of her hand. Well, she started crying. And I didn't move her. I left her there. And I stepped back, and she looked at me, and she looked at the stereo, and she looked at me, she looked at the stereo, and I said, don't touch. And you know what she did? She touched it. She's chip off the old block. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, and I, I, I smacked her on the top of the hand again, and I told her no. The third time, she did it again the third time. I, I told her no. She looks at it. She looks at me, she looks at it, looked back at it, uh, me, and then she reached out, this time, staring at me. She didn't even look at the stereo. She's staring at me, she does this. She stares at me, and she just reached out and hit the button while she's, she's not even looking what she's doing. Like, total defiance. So the third time, I whacked her hand really good. And she finally left it alone. And my point being is, because people told me, they said, uh, oh, John, you're going to have a child. You got to make your house childproof. And I said, no, I don't make my house, house childproof. I make my child understand that you can't do what you want to do. You can't touch everything, and you got to yes. learn to control yourself. So, so to say God put the tree in the midst of the garden to tease man, well, that, that's a lie. God put it in the midst of the garden because that's where it belonged, and man was supposed to discipline himself and not touch it. Yeah. When you put the whole thing together, he, you see that. I love that father-child illustration because that's what's happening. That's what's He's, happening. He is our Heavenly Father. But the, the New Testament cry of Jesus, I, I love this, and it, it helped it bring it together for me. When Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So you go back to the first commandment, which was don't eat of, of that tree. And so Eve had not even been created yet, and God told that to Adam. And so Adam's listening, and he doesn't comprehend it, just like our, our children don't comprehend it. And I'm three for three with the kids in the stereo, too. So, right. <laughs> Especially the middle one. Uh, <laughs> took, a, took a little while for her to figure that out, but she got it. She's a godly woman today, loves Amen. the Lord with all her heart. And, and uh, we, we had victory through much tribulation. We finally got victory. But uh, that tree in the middle of the garden was really uh, something that I, I had to ponder as a young man to fit this thing together. If God is love, why? And I see that tree in the middle of the garden. God planted it there, and uh, not as a temptation. God doesn't tempt no, people. He doesn't tempt but he planted it there for a reason. And then the, my Bible tells me God is love. But love without volition 
isn't really love. I mean, like, I, I can't go to my wife and say, you love me. I'm stronger than you. I've got weapons. And if you don't love me, I'll hurt you. That, that's not love. Right. Love absolutely requires volition. It, it, with, without volition, you, you don't have love. Right. And in that tree in the middle of the garden was the establishment of volition. And that's why Jesus would say, if you love me, keep my... And only needed one rule, one commandment, right. and that, that's all they needed, and they had it. And I, and I doubt Adam really fully understood that. And I, Eve, I, Well, I, I'm going to disagree with that, and I'm going to tell you why. If God told him not to touch that tree, or not to eat, I'm sorry, he didn't tell him not to touch it. He said, don't eat of it. In the day thou eatest thereof. You're gonna, that's right, you will die. If God told him not to eat of that tree, uh, we have to go back to the intelligence level of Adam. Adam was incredibly yeah, intelligent. Amen. He named all Absolutely. the animals. He named, I mean, listen, Adam was, he was incredibly, like, you talk about intelligence level, we are so dumbed down compared to Adam. Absolutely. And, uh, and I don't think that God would have said, don't eat of that tree because the day you do, you'll die. Now, he may not have understood the death part, but he did understand God said, don't eat of that tree. And he understood right from wrong. And he passed it on to his wife. And he passed it on to his wife. But here's my, here, okay, here's my question. Dude, listen to this question, <laughs> right? Keep, keep the cookies on the lower shelf here, John. <laughs> I, I know, I know, but like this goes, this goes so far. So if, if uh, he passes on to his wife and his wife tells the serpent, who's trying to deceive her, by the way, uh, if you eat of that tree, you'll be like God. And of course, she has this desire to be like God, right? And and and, and the serpent wasn't lying to her. He was tricking her. He was deceiving her because she would be like God knowing good and evil. But here's the interesting thing. She said, uh-uh, God said, don't touch it or eat it. So we're, oh my goodness. <laughs> so we're, did Adam recognize that that there were some issues with Eve, and so he had to go a little extra to encourage her not to get near the tree? Or did he lie to her, or did she lie to the serpent? Because God only said, don't eat of the tree. Yeah, they might have added to the word of God there. Somebody know. added something, and so so uh, I just found that interesting. Uh, yeah, I've pondered that. I, yeah. But you no figured answer. it out for me, John. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, something that really kind of, brought it together for me that God planted that tree in the midst of the garden with one rule and that rule established volition. If you love me, keep my commandments every day that Adam and Eve lived in that garden and, and saw that tree and chose not to, to eat of it. They were making a statement. They were walking in obedience and, and the blessings of God. Can you imagine that place? Can you imagine the peace, no sickness, no death? No, you know, it, just, it was, it was but, incredible. Well, and, it was paradise. And, and think about this, too. Um, the, the scriptures say that Adam and Eve walked and talked with God every day. The now, ultimate, man, the ultimate. Yeah, so, so when, we, when we look at the Old Testament, we really see a loving God. As a matter of fact, in some of the scriptures here in Deuteronomy 70, uh, 7, 9, uh, it says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God. 
the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And it's exactly what we've been talking about. And then he, we see in Psalm 86, 15, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. So here we see Old Testament, a loving God. How about Jeremiah 31, 3? The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then he goes on, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Excuse me. So when we see God in the Old Testament, we see a loving God. If you don't see the loving God of the Old Testament, you just had an insufficient reading of the Old Testament. They take one uh, position where where there was wrath poured out upon evil people and say, oh, God is all, all he's, 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 uh, he's vindictive in, uh, in the moment, but it was a long-suffering God. There's two sides of me. I'm a loving dad. I'm a loving husband, but somebody messed with my kids, somebody messed with my wife, and uh, oh, yeah. uh, there's a trigger. And, you know, God is a love, and he's going to protect his people. Right. So, so and, and now, now, because... Uh, this, the clock runs way faster than we do, brother. I'm just, <laughs> I'm saying. Um, and so what, what we find is in the Old Testament, we have a loving God. Now we got to get on to when God starts pouring his wrath out in the Old Testament. Because one, one of the things that we have to understand is the Old Testament is all about the law. As a matter of fact, if you and, and the law is just pointing out who we are. Listen, you you don't know. Uh, um, so I ask this: if I ask people this question, uh, when you die, are you going to heaven? And people, almost everybody, without question, says yes. Then my next question is why? To which they will respond, "I'm a good person." I believe in God. I do the best I can. Uh, yeah. And so then I asked this question. If there was no law, there was, I listen, listen, uh, listen, you know why people don't speed? Cause they're going to get a speeding ticket, which I got last week, by the way, <laughs> oh, God, man, on the motorcycle, cruising through the country, not paying attention. And, and yeah, they got me. So, but, but anyway, uh, uh, you know why people don't steal? Uh, there's a law. You know why people don't murder? There's a law. You know why people don't, I mean, there's a law. So the question that I asked this person who said, yeah, I'm going to heaven because I'm good. I said, take away all the law. You will now, you will no longer get in any trouble for anything you do. You can do whatever you want, knowing that you will get away with it. How good are you now? And it didn't take him, but literally a second. And he went, Oh, I'm not that good after all. <laughs> and so the law just shows us that we are sinners. Yeah, it's a schoolmaster. It's We're a school in trouble. Master. God is holy. We are not. And he wants us in heaven, and heaven requires holiness. And so we're in deep doo-doo. But this is, for me, you know, that I just want to come back to that, that hand that planted that tree in the middle of the garden knew in the fullness of time he would plant another tree on Golgotha's hill upon which the Savior would suffer, bleed, and die and, and, and take the holy wrath of God against the sin of the world and and your sin. That's us. That's us. Yeah. But it was all for us. 
and uh, th- th- our children, ha- you know, have grown up um, and and blessed mom and dad here. And I know your kids are, you know, you, I got awesome. Kids, you're a rich man. man. You know, I'm you, telling you, you did good. Amen. And uh, I didn't mean to capsize your daughters in the canoe like the first day they met me. <laughs> Second day they met me. Second. So so we go we go over to uh, uh, to Duke's house. We're gonna have a a cookout. We're new to New York. You know, came here to start the church. That was 14 years ago. Uh, this month. Uh, this month will be 14 years. Yeah. And uh, so at any rate, Duke's like, hey, uh, you don't mind if I take your daughters out on the canoe? I'm like, no, nah, man, go for it. And um, uh, fortunately, they know how to swim because they all come back drowning. It's just dripping yeah. wet. And I go, what happened? And Duke capsized the canoe. <laughs> and they love me for it. They, they got a still, story to tell. They still love you. Well, and it, listen, that was the first time we uh, uh, were we gigged frogs, caught frogs, cleaned them, cleaned them, cooked them, ate them, and uh, they were hooked on frog legs ever since. You kill it, I'll grill it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna experience the New York countryside. Yeah, it was uh, the so motto cool. of our church used to be a country church, a world vision, and Amen. we're we have a big nine hundred foot pond and. Your daughters uh, swam in it. <laughs> their first time on it, they were soon in it, and it wasn't their fault. It was that hippie pastor friend of their daddy's yeah, that uh, yeah. he didn't mean yeah. to, but uh, we. So Duke made a left-hand turn and leaned into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a canoe. <laughs> It'll come up again at the judgment seat of Christ, and you'll see that, yeah, I was guilty. How do you how do you lean into a turn in a canoe, brother? It yeah, just yeah. on a lake. You're not moving that fast. <laughs> it is what it is. That's funny. But I won. They you, love me. That's right. That's right. So so to go back, to get back to uh, uh, the, the love of Jesus, the Old Testament is the law. And, and I, I want to point out one thing because, because we got we to gotta bring this around. The, the Old Testament, and we say, because we have to talk about why God murdered so many people. I think that's key. If, if we don't explain, I mean, it's one thing to say it's the same God, and, and we know it's the same God. Uh, we know that uh, the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. Uh, but what I want to answer is, why did God kill so many people in the, New, uh, the Old Testament, and now he's so loving in the New Testament? Well, great question. Um, it, I, for me, I had to just get the whole picture mm-hmm. because it's the same God. Same God. And um, the purpose of the law, as you had shared, was to show us that we're sinful. And um, in the Old Testament, you see God's judgment coming upon the earth in Genesis 6, 7, 8, the story of Noah and the flood. And it comes down, and, and it's, it's judgment because we sin. Let's make let's make it clear. God God didn't throw Adam and Eve out of the garden uh, because He didn't love them. Uh, they were no longer righteous. They they were sinful. They were they were stained, and therefore they couldn't stay in a holy righteous place. There needed to be a a substitute, a payment for their sin. And and the truth is, in the Old Testament, they sinned. They wrap themselves in leaves. They hide from God. Prior to sin, they never hid from God. Prior to sin, they were naked and not ashamed. After sin, they were naked. They were ashamed. They hid from God. People and they were blaming each other. They were blaming each other. And then they even blamed God. Yeah. Adam blamed God. Yeah, the, God, uh, the, the woman the that woman you gave, gave me. 
the, the woman you gave me, God, is your fault. Because if you wouldn't give me the woman that, I, by the way, that I asked for, if you wouldn't give me this woman, I wouldn't have sinned. I, I think there's just one, like one, one sphere, one ball, and you, if you see the holiness of God first, everything else will just, just fall right into place. God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And holiness was never to be oppressive. It was not, holiness is not an absence of love. Holiness is just holy. And holiness hates sin. Yes. And, because, and why does holiness hate sin? Because sin hurts us and God loves us. And so when you have a, a, a people rising up who fall into sin and he comes and begins to explain, I have a plan to bring you back, the same hand that plants a tree in the middle of the garden plants another tree uh, on, on Golgotha. It wasn't like, so oh, plan huge. B, what are we going to do now? It, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was slain from the foundation foundation of the world. So the plan begins to unfold. God's holiness requires justice. Everybody's, I want justice. I want justice. I want justice. Well, well God's the same way. And, and here's, here's the other thing too, is God says he can have nothing to do with darkness. He is light and he can have nothing to do with darkness. And Satan is darkness. Sin is darkness. And, and so if you see God through the prism of holiness first, and then you, you understand why there was death. I wouldn't use the term God murdered them. I'd say God uh, hastened their death. Mm-hmm. He gave them opportunity. He right. knocked on the door of their hearts too. Yeah, because murder know. sounds like it's injustice. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and the death that he did was justice. Justice. And People say they want justice. God will give justice he, in the end. He will. Now, Now, how about this thought? I've explained it this way. The reason that God killed so many people in the Old Testament, and this this to me is is vital to understand, not only because number one, these these other nations didn't believe in him, right? And 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 if you don't believe in him, you're his enemy. The the, the second thing is that I think we need to to look at and acknowledge is. Satan's goal, and 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 this is key. Satan's goal was he had to destroy the bloodline that Christ was coming go. from. Yeah. And so if, if Satan could destroy this pure bloodline, Christ couldn't have come through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and that, whole, that whole bloodline. That's why it had to stay pure. That's, and that's also why, why God said, hey, do not mix with other nations because if you being a Jew, you start mixing with the Gentiles. Now you're going to taint the bloodline. It won't be pure anymore. There'll be too much influx and Christ can't come from anything but a pure bloodline. So God had to protect the bloodline in order to protect the bloodline. That meant that he had to kill those who were his enemies that did not believe and those that wanted to destroy the Jews. Yeah. I want to take on the word you just used enemy. Let's focus in on these people that died. Who were they? How did they get in the position where God's wrath came upon them? And you, you go back, God unfolds a knowledge of himself. Yep. The world knows there's a creator. And, 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 and Romans, Romans, 10, uh, Romans 1, uh, uh, 19, 20, 21 says, 
that he put the knowledge of him into every human being. So, so there you go. And they had it. And you go back in the antiquities and all these different people groups, Aboriginal peoples in uh, the Amazon, uh, in Australia, they all have the story of creation. They all have the story of the temptation of Adam and Eve and the fall. They all have the knowledge of spirits, uh, holy spirits, uh, holy angels, and uh, the demonic spirits. Uh, uh, and so we have the unfolding of the plan of God to redeem us, to love us. And then we have another agenda going on, the agenda of the evil one. And these people, enemies of, of, of God, were a people that, that forsook the knowledge of God and they worshiped the creation rather than the creator. And they, they snubbed the morality of God. We're going to do it our way. Uh, you Jews, you worship uh, the God, capital G. Uh, and, they, of, and they recognized he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bigger God than their God. And, and they, they worship their gods, small g, plural. And they had license with their pagan worship to sin, to violate everything that God had, set, uh, had spoken. And so these enemies of God, you, where did they come from? There are people who had the knowledge of God who rejected it. Right. We're going to do it our way. Yep. And not just do it, go off to themselves and do it their way. In addition to that, they're going to attack the people of God. Yeah. And that's where God's wrath really became, came upon them. These weren't just real innocent people out there doing it their way. <laughs> they, they were, they were uh, if you will, they, they were people breaking the law. And just like, well, up until recently, <laughs> the law would arrest those who would break the law. And, and isn't it interesting, though? Now, think about this. Just for perspective, we have, so we have uh, uh, Black Lives Matters and Antifa and rioters and, and protesters. And this is how crazy the mind is. These people are calling the police to come out and protect them while they protest to defund the police. And, 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 the, and the police are coming in. So, uh, what, but, but my whole point is here, that here they are breaking the law, and today we have people, including those breaking the, the law, still crying for the police to keep the law. And, and God, God simply just kept the law. You broke it. I am going to enforce it. That's it. It's very simple. It's, it's, it's very simple. And so, so the Old Testament is God enforcing the, the law on those that break it. With a purpose. With a purpose. And, and the, the purpose is? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And people say, God said this or else. And God always kept his, his word. word. Always. And pagans in multitudes saw that Uriah the Hittite <laughs> saw that the, the God of the Jews communicated to them in writing. He shows up, he, he does miracles and I'm wor worshiping in paganism and the gods that we worship want us to kill our babies. The God that, that we worship, Oh, he gives us license to sin and go down and have sex at the, at the, at the tabernacle of, 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 of idols and things like that. And he, he just, he, he did the, 
he connected the dots and our gods destroy us and and the god of israel who has these rules and if you break the rules you pay for it he he connected the dots he converted he to faith and the old testament is full of pagans rahab the harlot connected the dots and turned uh, to this god not only did he save her he put her in the lineage of jesus I you know. talk about, about the god of wrath he's a god of grace right? amazing grace it's old in testament. the old testament old testament yeah, right he didn't he, wait to the new testament to get nice and <laughs> and not only did he save her and put her in the lineage he saved her whole family he did grace is amazing grace even in the old testament we see the grace uh we see the love of god but understand the god of the old testament was a god that had to keep the law and the biggest thing for me that that i take away from god destroying enemies who wanted to violate uh uh the law who violated oh and by the way the enemies were usually driven by Satan yep. to pollute the bloodline so that Christ can't be born in the New Testament. And, and understand this, if Christ could not have been born when he was, you and I would never have salvation. There'd be no grace. Mm-hmm. There, there would be no, there's, there's, so, so all of a sudden we see God made, God made sure that Christ was born so that, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, if you sin, you sacrifice blood, uh, animals, to, to cover that sin, only to cover it like a blanket. It's, it's, it's kind of like writing a check. And, and, and that, that blood sacrifice in the Old Testament was a, a, a writing of the check to cover the sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, he cashed every check. Mm-hmm. One sacrifice. One Once sacrifice. for all to Past, save forever those present, who believe future and all that all those promises were made in the old testament, old testament. and they were all fulfilled in the new in testament the new, exactly so so when you look at when you look at the old testament and you find this god uh pouring his wrath out on people he had to do that because they were enemies that were trying to destroy his plan and his plan was to save humanity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you, that bloodline thing is, at, is huge. huge. And it just it runs all the way through the scripture. Just, just to pull it together real quick, through the seed of a woman, uh, God promised he would destroy the works of the devil. So he would destroy Satan and save man. In, in the, the Garden of Eden, immediately after they sinned, God said, I'm going to fix this. You screwed up. You sinned. But I love you. I'm not surprised. I got a plan to fix it through the seed of a woman. And then, you know, we have the flood. We have the Tower of Babel. All, uh, and then God's hand uh, focus comes on an old man abraham through the seed of abraham the redeemer will come and with the promise of a redeemer the savior yeshua jesus think about about what you just said god said if i don't keep if i don't keep because people believe that god started the world and then he just backed off but that's not true that's not god God started it and he made sure things happened to do to bring a savior it didn't it wasn't a plan b it was the plan Laid no out be. before the foundation of the world. Through Abraham, the Savior would be a Jew. And then it gets even more specific. Through the tribe of Judah, there were 12 tribes. Which one? Judah. Judah. The lawgiver will come, Genesis 49, uh, 6. And then uh, then you have 1,000 families in Judah, 10,000 families in Judah, specifically through King David. And so all those 
boring genealogies really are fabulous. They're not boring at all. God, to the detail, was laying out what he was going to do, and Satan couldn't stop him, and he tried. He tried. And he wrote, and the enemy Satan, who worshipped, those who worshipped him in paganism, they hated God, and they rose up not, and they warred among themselves constantly. But more specifically, they constantly were after the Jewish people. We have the, the well, birth of anti-Semitism, which is alive and well today. Oh, and it's been since the beginning. If there was no God, if there was no Satan, there'd right. be no anti-Semitism. Right, right. now, Just, and and now think about think about what you said how he how he was attacking the uh, the bloodline at every level. It go back to Genesis chapter six, where yeah, oh, where, where that's another hour. <laughs> I know, right? So Genesis chapter six is massive because here's what's happening: where the sons of God or the demon, the, the fallen angels, were taking on wives of the sons of men, uh, the daughters of men, and why? So that those those that were born from them, they were. They were mixed, yeah, not, they listen, were hybrids. Not, listen, not mixed uh, uh, color. They were hybrids, uh, uh, demons and human. human. And the whole goal was to infiltrate the Israelites so that you could destroy the bloodline so Jesus couldn't be born. That guy, oh, okay, okay, okay. One yeah. book. I know, right? One amazing story. <laughs> so when we look at this, guys, listen. And, and, and we're going to, because we get, uh, okay, all right, okay, I got to get. I Pull get it together, so Johnny. You get so excited. I get so excited because when you, okay, when you read it, let, let me help you guys out real quick. I'm just going to throw this out there for you because we got to wrap this one up. When you read the Bible, I'm, uh, let, me, let me help you just for a second so you can see how everything comes together and you fill in any blank that I might miss, okay? The first five books of the Bible, known as the Torah or the Pentateuch, uh, the, the, the book of the law, the books of Moses, mm-hmm. the first five books literally was one book. It was one book divided into five sections. So we have Genesis. What is Genesis about? Beginnings. The beginnings. Exodus. Exiting Egypt. Israelite. Uh, the Israelites exiting Egypt. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus is all about the, the law. law. Guys, listen. Now that you are out, here's what I need you to do. This is what you need to pay attention to. This is going to save your life. Listen, uh, these things are put in place not to have a whole bunch of do's and don'ts and regulations, but if you follow these, you will not have to look over your shoulder to pay for the sin uh, that you are committing. It'll give you health. It'll give you guidance. It'll give you prosperity. Freedom. It'll protect you from the enemy. It's not freedom from sin or freedom to sin. It's freedom from, from sin. sin and yeah. from the results of sin. And to live out your dream and have peace and prosperity. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. And it's all in the law. It's, and it's the Old Testament. Yeah, so then we have, then we have, uh, I'm getting excited. And, and I realize that when I get excited, my voice booms. I, I'm trying to control that, but get it down, ain't happening. So, so, so then we have uh, uh, numbers, and numbers are just, hey, here's all, this, this is all laid out. I want you to build things certain ways, do things certain time frames. Kind of a system of failure, 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 <laughs> but grace, grace, grace. Because right. every failure brought... The failures brought some judgment. They did. Uh, for the most yeah. guilty people were judged, but it, it was more grace. Yeah. Failure, grace, yeah. failure, grace, the way I see it. So then, then we have so we have Genesis, Exodus, 
Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is a summarization, if you will. Says remember. That's what it means. Remember. It's all about the first four books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Deuteronomy is a summarization to remember Everything I just put out there. Yeah, to, to learn from your mistakes. Wise men learn from their mistakes, but wiser men learn from others', others mistakes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, me and John, we had to we kind of did it took our us, own. It took us a little while to get wiser. Yes. Um, but so so when you when you think when you look at the Old Testament, uh, you see this is the this is the same God as the New Testament because He is setting everything up for learning and understanding and direction and protection. Yep. To bring in the New Testament so that you and I and you out there can have a Savior that will die for us, cash in all the checks of the Old Testament, and give us a way to heaven. Good news. The good news. Hallelujah. It's the same God unfolding his plan. It's a holy God who is love, who gives us opportunity to obey or disobey. Yeah. Blessing for obedience. Uh, <laughs> discipline. Judgment for uh, ungodliness. And uh, God always kept his word from generation to generation. Grace was always extended. I love that in Isaiah over and over and over again. It talks about the judgment, uh, their failures. It says, but his, uh, his uh, mercy endureth still. That's right. Yeah. Well, so, so uh, here's an interesting, and uh, I w- I'm going to put this out there. So we're going to close this out uh, with this. Um, the New Testament shows us uh, what God has done about our state of lost, being lost, right? That's mm-hmm. what the New Testament does. It shows us that God, uh, uh, since we couldn't keep the law, God knew we couldn't keep the law, he now presi- uh, provides a way for us to still get to him because you can't be perfect, so now he gives us, he gives us grace. Now, his wrath is still present. We I read three or four verses in the New Testament where it says his wrath, his wrath, his wrath is poured out, right? So his wrath is still present, uh, but at the cross, he takes all of his wrath and pours it out in the death of Christ on the cross. So all this wrath that you and I deserve, he pours it out on Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us. us. So at that, uh, uh, gen- uh, I'm sorry, Galatians 3.13, I want to read. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You. you see what I'm saying? The law, the law shows us that we're sinners. And so the law, God put the law out there. Listen, listen it, first off, if he didn't use the law to show us that we were sinners, what could he save us from because we'd be ignorant of any sin? Mm-hmm. But because of the law, we're no longer ignorant, right? Uh, listen, when I got pulled over uh, last week on the motorcycle, and and literally it was legit. I wasn't speeding. My wife and I, we were just, man, we we're che- New York has some of the most beautiful countryside when you it get uh, when you get uh, uh, in the North Country, and so we're just cruising. And I'm looking. I love looking at farms, and before you know it, I'm doing 73 and a 55. The trooper pulls me over. And she comes up to me, 
And you could tell she's a little bit on the defense because, and you can't blame them. And I looked at her and I said, I go, listen, I, I just want you to know I'm guilty. I was speeding. You're doing your job. I completely respect that. I earned the ticket. Whoa, what's that all about? She, yeah. she was st- we, we, She still gave me the ticket. But we sat on the side of the road and we talked about what was going on. And I'm telling you, pray for our police officers. At any rate, so, so I, I get this ticket. Um, but you know, you know when she pulled me over? I knew I was guilty. Why? Because the law said 55. Yeah. That's the Old Testament. So Christ in, in, in Galatians uh, 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, New Testament. This is what it's all about, Jesus becoming a curse for us, taking on our wrath, our punishment. Uh, that was explained and clarified in the Old, Old Testament. Testament. Uh, and it says, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, the second tree uh, in the midst of that hill. Man, he planted them both. Unbelievable, right? So then God's wrath is against all rebellion, right? <clears throat> but because he brings Jesus in, uh, Jesus uh, uh, dies for us. So anybody that chooses Jesus is now forgiven of breaking the law, which, by the way, the whole Old Testament tells us, I'm sending you a Savior, a Messiah. I'm sending you a a Savior, a Messiah. Because you can't keep these laws, you need grace. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and check this out. And I just want you to know that anyone who believes in the Son, are you ready for this? John 3.36, he or anyone, right? Let's just do that. Anyone who believes in the Son, Jesus Christ, has ever everlasting life. Everlasting, not temporary. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Such great news for uh, druggy burnouts like me. Right? And then here we go. 336 finishes at John 336. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the the wrath wrath of of God God abides on him. See the perfect union of the Old and New Testament. Uh, Holy God, full of grace, full of mercy, but justice. And justice and mercy kissed at the cross. At the cross. And by the way, if God wasn't just, he couldn't be loving. It's one package. It's one package. Uh, my daughter, I won't, I, I, I've always said I won't, I won't call out which one because they're like, Dad, why are you? you know, so, so now I just say my daughter and let everybody try and figure out which one. We were living in Missouri at the time, and my daughter was, I think, somewhere around four years old. And she messed up. And so she earned a spanking. I told her, go to your room. I will be there in a moment. So she goes to her room. Of course, she's crying because she knows what's coming. Dad's going to blister her tail. Uh, Listen, I spanked on the butt, only on the butt, but I spanked. 
and I wanted them to know that the the price of sin was far greater uh, than the pleasure than of the, sin. That's right. So I go in her room, and she's crying. And she's like, Dad, can I say something? And I went, yes, sweetie. And she said, <laughs> she said, will you give me what Jesus gave us? <laughs> Amen. Grace and mercy. And I looked at her with a broken heart. <laughs> because my daughter at four years old understood, come to me as a child, God says. Mm -hmm. My daughter at four years old understood that the God of the New Testament, the same as the God of the Old Testament, mm -hmm. the difference is he gave us Jesus so that we could have a way to not be held accountable for breaking the law in the end. And I looked at my daughter and I said, because I was amazed, she got it. And I said, you know what, sweetie? Yep, this time I'm going to give you grace and mercy, and I'm not going to give you what you deserve. And I prayed with her, and I hugged her and told her I love her, and it was it. that was it. You were in the place of Christ. It's the that. most beautiful. It's relational. It's relational. It's a relation, and you just and you got to live it out. And it's not the mean dad and the and the nice dad. It's just the one dad who loves them but has to teach them. And when they get it, amen. Hallelujah. Justice. Oh, it's made me cry, Pastor John. <laughs> Love does not exist without justice. One package. Just one package. Hey, guys, thank you for joining us again on According to John. So excited that you became a part of it. So excited that you have joined us. I hope you've learned something. I hope this has helped you. I hope the question, is there two gods in the Bible? I hope that was answered today. Did it our, gave it our best. Amen. Pastor Duke, thank you, brother, for joining Good to be back. Again. I love you, man. You're yeah, so awesome. I thought you were smarter than that, John, but wrong again. Wrong again. God bless you guys. <laughs> Listen, I hope you like, subscribe, share. Let someone know about this podcast if it's been beneficial to you. God bless. I hope you have a great week. It's been good, brother. It's good. It's